Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Remember His goodness. Remember His goodness. David wrote a Psalms in the midst of being surrounded by his enemies with pure hatred and evil to kill him. Just surrounded, not just in front, surrounded completely by his enemies. And he wrote this in Psalms 27, 13. He said, I would have lost heart. And listen to his words. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He goes, if I didn't believe that, I'd lose, I'd go crazy. I'd be an emotion, uh, my, my, my emotions would be in complete turmoil. I'd probably die of a heart attack. But he said, because I believed in God's goodness now, everybody say now, God's goodness now. He said, I had the ability to stand when all his enemies were pressing in on him. What kept him strong? I believe in God's goodness. I believe in God's goodness. And, and it's interesting is we've been singing about it this morning. And even about, you know, God caring for the sparrows and things like that. I mean, that's all in the Bible and it's in there for a reason. And I want us, I want all of us to understand and to remember the importance of remember what God has done in your life. Because I can tell you right now, it's one of the main issues why Christians have so many issues, failures, and fallbacks in their life is because they quit remembering the goodness of God. They forget. They, they lose sight of it. And I'm going to help us not get to that place and share some things that will help us not move in that direction to where, you know, a lot of us, we can find ourselves there. I mean, when things get pressure, things are tough. And I mean, you're looking at everywhere and it's, it's moving in on you. It, there are a lot of times when you ain't looking back. You're just looking at all the mess. And we went through a year where a lot of mess was being looked at, right? But I need to, I, I want to help us here because we have to realize when you spend that long of time, focused in on nothing but negative, you don't move into 2021 fresh. You still are going to be manipulated and you still are going to have because of a year's worth of, what are we going to do? It's still, it's, it's like a ship. When it stops, it takes a while to stop. And that momentum from 2020 is move, continue to move in some of you in 2021. And I want, I want you to be free. Not, we're not walking in an ignorant world to where we don't operate in wisdom and, and things like that. But what I'm saying is we can't allow things that were unexpected to continue to affect our lives. We can't do that. There's a world out there that wants you to do that. Why? Control. Fear is a massive motivator in the world system coming from Satan himself. And that's how he motivated. If you look at it, you look at how this world works. 
the, the governments are great at motivating through fear. And that's anti what God's word says. God motivates through faith, not fear. And that's why he literally commands us, don't fear, don't fear. Can you imagine your parents being raised and say, fear everything, fear, fear. Yeah, worry about that. Yeah, yeah, I got anxiety too. You should too. And you're talking to your three-year-old. Wouldn't that be crazy? Oh, don't answer that too quick. Because some, you know, some of you are guilty on that. Not because you wanted to do it. It's because that's what you do. And your children pick up on it. They see it. What, am I supposed to hide it from them? Yeah. I believe so. If you're not walking in faith, I would think the best thing is get it out from them. That means you're not being real or anything, or you're living a fake life. It has nothing to do with that. Sometimes we think we have to talk and act a certain way to be real, and I'm telling you, no, we don't. We don't have to. But if you are overcome and you are dealing with stuff, you can still deal with that. You can still handle it. And you can still have the anxiety or whatever because it is an issue you might have answers with. But that doesn't mean that you have to proclaim it in front of your children as if it's something special. Because it's not at all. They want to see the process of the, the, the issue at hand being taken care of. The action of fear never takes care of anything. It will never take care of anything. That's why you're fearing. There's no answers. Are you guys getting this? Okay, so let's look at this scripture in um, Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Remember, we got to never forget the goodness of God. Now, Mark chapter 8 is, is going to be the feeding of the 4,000, okay? The breaking bread and he feeds 4,000. Actually, it's, it's probably closer to 10,000 because uh, he says 4,000 men in scripture, but there are also women and children there. So y'all know when... I mean, just statistically, uh, women go to church three to one over men. So actually, there's probably, you know, 20,000 women there and 4,000 guys. I mean, if you're looking at how, how this all usually uh, acts out as far as statistically. But, you know, we've got a good group of men that come to church, though, and faithful at it. And I, I, I thank God for that. But Jesus has just fed the 4,000. He's going off into the next stage of his journey, and the religious come and literally attack him. And the Bible says the Pharisees and Sadducees came to him and tried to just start asking him questions and demanding and and testing him. And, And in that, they're saying, show us a sign. Show us some miraculous thing from heaven. And they don't care about any of that. They're just trying to get Jesus in a position where they can totally attack and destroy what he's doing. So he's, he's testing or tempting him to do something. And Jesus is like going, I don't have to show you nothing. He's already, he's already proclaimed, I'm here. I'm here. And he's, I don't have to show you anything. So it says that he walks away and he leaves and gets in the boat. And that's where we're at right now. He's just been attacked by religion after feeding thousands and thousands of people. Are you guys there? All right. So here's where we get in verse 13. Then he left them, the religious group, got back in the boat and crossed to the other side. 
The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Okay? So they, all that bread's free-flowing, okay? Free-flowing bread that's bread all over the place. And disciples had extra. We know that in Scripture. But they only bring one loaf. And this is what the, this is what the picture's showing. Jesus is now in the boat. The, the story is, is the disciples only have one loaf of bread amongst all 12 of them and Jesus, 13, right? So 13, one loaf. And the one loaf is, we're talking small. It's not like a, a massive, big old loaf of bread. It's, it's a small, round chunk of bread. It's just like that. And so they have that one loaf of bread with them, okay? And Jesus says to them, be careful. He just finished being tested and attacked by the religious. And he says, be careful. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Jesus gets in the boat with his disciples. He just finished being attacked by religion. And now he's in the boat and he says, guys, listen to me. They just, they saw miracles just miracles, and they were partaking of a massive miracle because they were pulling bread and it kept growing. Amazing what's going on. Just like, and eat some of that bread too. So they were just pulling it because, hey, any bread that multiplies got to be like angel bread. You know, it's like, <laughs> let me get some of that. So they're just doing this. It's like crazy stuff going on. They have one loaf. Jesus is now talking to him. This is what he does. He says, listen, I'm protecting you. The way I'm going to protect you is give you information. Are you hearing me? I'm going to protect you by giving you information concerning an enemy. And he says, be watchful, be careful of religion and politics. Be careful of the Pharisees representing religion and Herod representing politics, politicians. Be careful of those two. But what does he say? Yeast of those two. Y'all know what yeast is, right? It, 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 yeast is so interesting. And I know a lot more about it only because Pastor Lau's like a, a, she's like this, mad scientist with yeast. I mean, she's got this yeast and it's living actually. And she tells us about it in this living organism. It's actually a fungi. And it's, it's, it's growing, <laughs> you know, just like crazy stuff. But man, the, the sourdough bread she makes is like, gosh, it's awesome. And she knows it's because of her buddy yeast. I, she even talks to that thing, I think. But she does. And, and it's like, she talks about her yeast. Yeah, the, this yeast is like 300 years old now. And I mean, it, it, she got, it's like birth. I'm, I'm waiting for her to take the yeast to our measuring wall where we measure the kids and bring her yeast up and go, there it is. Look at that growth on that sucker. But we recognize because of that yeast that she uses it a little into that bread dough and something happens. It multiplies, it gets bigger and bigger. And oh my gosh, her sourdough bread is awesome. But what it does is so interesting because it's so little and it produces such a, a powerful reaction. 
And Jesus used the term yeast because he's saying, listen, it's not about what they're going to do. It's what they say. Be careful about the words that they say or how you believe what they're saying because it's going to contaminate you. It's interesting about yeast is yeast eats sugar and then has gas. Yeah, the yeast is farting all over that bread. But anyway, that's a, not a food channel description, but it is mine. But isn't that what it does, right? It eats sugar and produces gas. I don't know what that looks like or sounds like, but it looks like, sounds like something I know. Oh, that has to do with frijoles, but anyway. So, so in that, you have this reaction, or I'll use the word contamination. And so he says this, he says, be careful of the contamination of religion or the contamination of politics. Jesus says that to who? His disciples. He's training these guys to operate the ministry when he leaves. So he's giving them the information necessary for success. Are you guys hearing? And so he says, be careful of the, the, the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. They, the disciples, discussed with one another and said, it's because we have no bread. I know you think and you go, how stupid. But you got to realize something that there are a lot of times when Jesus communicates that it is going way over their head. A lot of times. And it's not because Jesus is trying to be so deep and intellectual. He's communicating truth. He's not holding back punches. He's communicating truth. So he's not concerned about, are you emotionally able? I don't want to tell you this because I don't want to offend you. Jesus literally came out one time and said, you got to eat my body, drink my blood. I mean, in front of everybody. And everybody's like going, what? The guy's sick. And everybody started backing away. Even disciples, not the D disciples, but he had other disciples. And either other disciples were going, he, he's a cannibal. He's a cannibalism. This is eating flesh and drinking blood. Oh my gosh. And they, they all took off. And Jesus looks at, at, at his disciples and says, you guys going to leave too? And they said, where are we going to go? I mean, you are truth. Where are we going to go? I, th I find that so fascinating. But what happened is that Jesus has, he's, he's God in the flesh. And he communicates information for their success. And so he communicates in a way that says, you need to hear what I'm saying. They, on the other hand, are so consumed about this. I would love to see this on video. I would love to see the picture of these 12 guys going, dude, one loaf. And I don't know who's carrying the one loaf and goes, well, you should have brought some too. And you know, that, listen, you know they're at each other right now because they're always like one up in each other. I'm better than you. And look at Jesus. I should be number one. And just really, you know, always pressing in and, 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 and getting to a position of I'm the special one for Jesus. And so here they are now arguing and fighting over one loaf of bread. Jesus mentions yeast. And the first thing that comes to mind is, is he'd be talking about a bread. I know you think about it and you're going, are you kidding me? I don't think I'd be that dumb. Yeah, you would. Yeah, you would. 
Because we do dumb all the time knowing what God's word says. Don't let me be the one raising my hand. Amen? You all know we'd be doing dumb sometimes, right? And some of you, it's more than sometimes, but I will not point you out. But God knows. So here then, they're like going, it's because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus says, what's wrong with you? No, he doesn't do that. That's what I would do if I was Jesus. That's enough. I'm getting 12 more. These ones suck. But I'm not Jesus, so I'm just saying. I'm just being real with you. But he says, what? <laughs> he goes, why? I cannot believe that Jesus went. Why are you talking about bread? I do not believe that's how he communicated. I believe he literally went, dude, what, is, what are you guys doing? Why are you talking about bread? Now, you might not have went just like that, but I believe it was not. Why are you talking about? And you better not read it that way because I know it's not how Jesus spoke. He says, why are you guys talking about having no bread? Also, understand this. I've learned this years ago, especially just in the relationship I have with the Lord. But I've recognized one thing. When, you ask, when he asks you a question, it's not for him. It's for us. It's for me. It's for you. When he asks questions, it's not like, you don't know that answer? It, it, it has nothing to do with him. So a question asked, we ask questions, they're all for us. But when he asks a question, he already knows. He's just trying to find out, where are you at? Where are you at? And so he says, <laughs> this is so crazy. Why are you talking about having no bread? Right then and there, they should have went. Uh, yeah, why are we talking about not bread? Because he just said, beware of yeast. We should be talking about yeast. Something like that. But he goes on and says, do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see or ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? Now, what's he saying? Don't you remember? He's saying, don't you remember my goodness? Don't you remember what took place just a little while ago? A few days ago, we were feeding thousands of people. Don't you remember that? Don't you remember that when we were all done, we even had more than enough? Don't you remember? Don't you remember? Don't you remember that in the feeding, there wasn't enough to feed a few people, but we fed thousands. Don't you remember Remember what happened in the past when that goodness happened? Remember what took place when you looked out and you go, I don't have an answer. And man, God's goodness came on the scene. Don't you remember? And that's what he's telling these guys. Don't you remember? He said, when I broke the five loaves, now he's getting into common sense. This is, this is Jesus talking to who? His holy disciples. He's talking to his 12 followers. And what does he do? He doesn't get agitated or aggravated like I would or you would. He now goes into the stage of, let me simplify this so you can get the answer right. So he says, when I broke five loaves for the 5,000, 
what? What's he talking about? He's already done this with them. This is the second time. I caramba. This is amazing. This has already happened. They've already been a part of this miracle, and now they're going part two of this massive miracle. And by the way, this miracle, why is this so important? Because this is the only miracle that's in all four Gospels. The only one. It is the only miracle that's written in each one of the Gospels. What about the other ones? Why didn't the other one? Because each one was writing to their group, their specific groups. Matthew's writing to Jews, and Mark was writing to Romans, and Luke was writing, he's Greek, he's writing to Greeks, and John's writing to everybody. They had specific audiences that were, they were specifically writing to. So when they're writing, through God's wisdom, God's breathing into their, the, the pen, they're writing to those specific groups. So some miracles we're not necessarily have to mention. Remember, the Bible does make it clear that if every, every miracle is written, there would not be enough books to contain them. So you look at 20 miracles, you look at 30 miracles, you'd have to look at the reality of it Three million. But see, we can't, we don't, it's too tough for us to figure that out. So we just let it slide and let these certain miracles happen. And that, that's sad because I believe religion totally passes that scripture and throws it away because they want to focus on a few and not really look at, no, there are way more than a few happening. It was happening consistently, constantly, all the time, literally by the tens of thousands of people getting healed and whole delivered, set free, demons screaming and running just all the time. But again, only specific ones needed to be in the Gospels for training and teaching and for us to understand. That's all. Well, you, it, listen, you hear one, two, three, four, what's 50 going to do? I mean, these ones you're reading are already crazy. They're like, wow, these are awesome. Okay, y'all with me? So he says, I broke five loaves, feed 5,000. How many baskets did you pick up? 12. Yes, you're right. Then he said, and I broke seven loaves. For the, that's just happened. I broke seven loaves for 4,000. How many basket pieces did you pick up? Eight. No, not eight. Seven, seven. You're right, Johnny. Look next to the door. And so what they're doing now is they're getting this information. It's coming back into their remembrance, and they're realizing, wow, there's a lot of leftovers from the miracles that we partook of. In other words, God provided for the mass, and he provided more than enough for us. We were involved in it, and then we had more than enough. And so he's saying, listen, pay attention. Don't forget my goodness. Don't forget my goodness. You know, when it comes down to life and we have the, the difficulties and the challenges, you know, like 2020 and, and even today, 
we have pressures, things that are happening in our lives where we're looking for a decision. We're, we're looking for an answer to decisions. We're trying to figure out, but I'm not talking about normal. I'm talking about pressure. Pressure's coming in and you're looking at no way out. You're looking at how am I going to, and, and all these things, questions are popping up. And so in the midst of that, we look around. And so here the disciples are in the same position each time these miracles took place. They're in a mass of people, and Jesus is saying, what are we going to do about it? So they're in a position like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. We can't do nothing about it. And that's a problem because what happens is in the midst of these things, we we start remembering the things we should have forgotten. And that's what causes most of the replication of problems and issues. We're not remembering the goodness. We're remembering things that we should have already forgotten. And we forgot the things we should have remembered. We forgot about those things about God, the things that he's done in our lives. I try to talk to them, talk about them in church. I talk to them consistently through the week. I'm sure if, if not that he ever would, but if God was like us, he'd probably say, please don't thank me for this again. You've done it over and over, and it's been years and you're still thanking me for that same thing. Stop it now. You're welcome. Move on. But he doesn't do that. And I keep letting him know how grateful I am. When I pull up this church, I thank him for just the miracles that, and some of you don't realize this, but I'm telling you, everything about love life is miracle after miracle after miracle. It's not by me championing the cause and I'm so great. I, I'm telling you, zero to do with that. But everything to do in our belief and trust in him, our building, our property, the journey from the beginning of this church. I'm, if I just wrote a big book, not enough books could contain it. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it, it would be an awesome story of so many things God has done. And I believe without a doubt that he's doing now because I talk, just talked about a few and what he continued to do. It's a beautiful thing. And if you're part of the family, that's what you should be expecting too. If Papa gets it, you should get it, right? That's how it is in my house. If Papa has it, then I should have it. They do that with my food all the time. Ever since they've been little, it's like, you got a banana? It's my banana. You eating, you eating cashews? They're my cashews. I remember eating cashews and little Maddie, when he just barely can walk and just pull himself and sit on a table, would stand there right next to me while I'm peeling cashews and do this. And every one would have to go in his mouth. And I couldn't eat a cashew until he was full of cashews and where he was, not cashews, excuse me. Um, what? Pistachios, pistachios. So, and you know what pistachios are? They're like a warfare sometimes. It's like some of the cracks aren't really cracks. You know, doing everything you can. So I have to sit there and pop those things. And pretty soon I learned that, okay, I want some pistachios. Maddie's not around. I just started cracking a bunch of them, piling up. And all of a sudden that little cat, that pistachio boy 
would come around and see that, and, but it was simple because now I could eat them because he had a pile. And I could eat my pistachios. I learned through the wisdom of God in some areas like that. But anyway, so we want to get to the place where we remember God's goodness all the time. In the midst of turmoil, in the midst of trouble, there have been so many times you've gone through where an answer came, a decision was made, and God took you to another level, and you were able to overcome. You gotta think about that. Remember those times. Like I said, I do it all the time, and I'll never ever stop doing it. He's, I'm just so grateful and thankful for him. He's a loving, good God. And you've gotta realize that, and there's nothing that he wants more than to be able to do his goodness for your life. Why is it so important? Because everything about that is a testimony for you to be able to help build his kingdom. Listen, the goodness isn't for you to build your kingdom. A lot of people think they're so consumed about their kingdom. It's to build his kingdom. And when you focus on his kingdom, he'll take care of yours. He always has, always will. Are you hearing me? All right. In 1 Peter 1.25 and Proverbs 12.19, it says, the word of truth will last forever. The word of truth will last forever. What will? The word of truth will last forever. There are many times, many times where we get information, church service, last year's prophetic word, from God to us, and then move into a storm. Let's watch this video again. I'm sure you're going to love to see it. Love life. This is a year to expect big and to live big. This is a year to see clearly with focused vision on the life that God has designed for us to live. This is a year to live an intentional life, a life of higher purpose for God. It is a time to break off the old ways, the old patterns, and to break through into the new. For the word of the Lord to love life is this, 2020 will be our breakout year. The Lord has empowered us to break through and to break out in every area of our lives and ministry. The prison doors have been opened. There is no longer a wall holding you back, no dam stopping the flow. The boundaries of victory have been removed. It is time to break out and start pursuing and defeating the enemies before us. It is time to trust our God who makes the impossible possible. No longer say, I can't, I'm not able, it's impossible, because God has proclaimed that all things are possible to those who believe. And we are believers. I want you to know that you have been called and set apart for His great work. God has ordained you to do great things for Him, and He's expecting you to fulfill your destiny. You have been given His divine power to make an impact in our generation. You're an influencer and have been chosen to lead in such a time as this. You are called to be a blessing and to bring the message of hope to the hopeless, to set the captives free, to heal the sick, and to give life to the lifeless. You are chosen, mighty one, to bring in the harvest of the unchurched into a life of grace, hope, and love. We are love life. 
We just don't see vision. We do vision. We just don't listen to God's word. We do his word. Our spirits are strong. Our emotions are settled. Our minds are disciplined and our bodies are healed and whole. We are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We are love life and this is our breakout year. I want you to know something that was given in January and 100% was for a pandemic year. Everything about that video was a proclamation from God in a time of turmoil, trouble, in a time of a pandemic. And everything you hear and see and read on that video was a prophetic word for 2020. Every single thing about it. But guess what? Because of how we listen, that is supposed to be when everything's going good. And just to let you know, that is totally against what God's word teaches Everything that God shared with me before 2020 to do that video, I didn't know what 2020 was going to become, but I'm going to tell you right now, everything about breakthrough and breakout completely has to do with something that you have to break through in a barrier. I talk about being a person that is going to give hope to the hopeless. I mean, everything about, I'm telling you, when you see and hear that video Again, with the right ears, the right perception, all of a sudden you realize, my gosh, if that video was on my heart for 2020, it would have been an amazing year last year. Now I want to also share that we already have testimonies. Testimonies of so many people in here had their greatest years ever. Their greatest years ever in the pandemic year. Our ministry had the greatest ministry year ever. And so when you look at that, you think, well, how does that work? How's that? That's exactly what you have to understand. That's when it works, when you're trusting God and when you're focused in on this word and his truth and his ability to overcome the, the things that people can't overcome, to make the impossible possible. Because you're going to deal with things in your life. You're going to deal with different issues. And, and the minor to the major, to God, they're all important. Every one of them. And no one should ever make light of a minor issue. And nor we should look at major issues as the only thing that's important. We should look at the way God does, and they're all issues to him. And so what you have to do is recognize that is important to him. The minor issues are important. And I believe... Once we realize that, then those minor issues, which a lot of times become, they morph into major issues. So I think we get to get back to, God cares about every issue I have. All cares, every care. And that way we can win and have success over these, these small skirmishes. And then if a big war does come, I'm ready. I'm ready. But you're not gonna make it running into war and you've never been through basic training. You, you don't win that way. You've got to realize these small things are what are important in life to have victory over. And so when you look at this stuff now, you've got to realize God does care about them. God cares about these things. And so let's realize again that when he speaks these things, he's saying, this is something you've got to get a hold of now 
But don't do, go through the assumption that when God says, I want to prosper you, that the economy has to be just flowing in great. That's fake. That's the fake prophets out there. The ones that want to sit there and go, oh, God's going to bless you, bless you. Oh, Trump lost. Oh, oh, whoops. I said, thus said the Lord. Wrong. I was wrong. But they already said it. And there's hundreds of them out there that just were proclaiming all kinds of prophetic wackoness and are seen as false prophets, but they still have followers. It's like, what's going on? But that's how religion is. We go into one fake news to another fake news. You think I'm just talking about CNN? No, I'm talking about even Christians. But the truth is this, the truth of God's word. That's what I got to bank my life on, God's word. And what does God's word say? Because don't think, if you look at the history, look at history of our world, and no matter what, you're going to see a time period where there's no pandemic, and then there's a pandemic, and then a history of no, pan, no, no problem, and then a big problem, and no problem, and then a big problem. It's, this is the world. And when you realize that, you can say, okay, I went through this thing. I was too young when the other thing came. And now I got to understand the importance of my life ahead of me. And I'm not going to be motivated or manipulated by any type of world disaster or issue. I got to look to God and his word. And in the midst of all these issues that happen, in the midst of all the problems and struggles, Jesus is telling his disciples, listen, I told you something that you need to gravitate toward and understand. I came to you and asked you, what can we do about this? And you looked around and go, what can we do? And see, this is the problem with the Christian faith. Being a follower of Jesus, we tend to ask the wrong questions. And when you look at the, the information there and you understand this whole, the, the whole subject of what we're talking about, you look at this, Jesus goes through the process of explaining to these guys, you should have understood exactly what I was saying when I said, beware of the yeast of Pharisees and Herod. He said, you should have connected with that. But what stopped them from connecting the previous action of what took place with them involved in it? And the Bible makes it very clear what happened. It shows us where Jesus is looking at these people the, in the feeding of the 5,000, they're with him all day long. The feeding of the 4,000, they were, they were with him for three days to where some of them were just starving because they were just around Jesus the whole time. And they're running out of food and people are literally needing nourishment. And Jesus has a place where he looks out at the masses and he says, we gotta take care of. You know what's interesting? The word that the Bible uses that God wanted us to see Compassion. He was moved with compassion toward these people. See, we're good at being moved with compassion, but with no action. He's moved with compassion saying, wow, there's a need. I want to help in fixing that need. And that's what he did. He said, guys, who are these guys? These guys are the ones he's, he, these are his apprentices. He's saying, I'm training you to do my job. And that's what you do with an apprentice. You train them to do what you do and hopefully better than the way you do it. 
And he's, so he's training these guys. He's training them up. And now he's saying, guys, what do you have? Y'all know they don't have enough. Everybody knows they don't have enough. They're not like carrying, you know, a, a, a big old wagon of, uh, of just tons of food with them everywhere they go. No. Everybody knows they don't have enough. But what did Jesus do? What do you got, guys? What do you got? What did they do? Ask the wrong questions. Are you kidding me? It'd take a, a year's wages. I mean, how are we going to do that? And so they're asking the wrong questions. And this is what causes us turmoil when we look at a massive problem in whatever we're dealing with, we start asking the wrong, how can I? Well, what if it comes back? What if masks are going to be forever? Oh, it, they, they sneeze next to me. What if I got it? And it's all these questions and questions and questions that will never, ever, ever produce success in your life. Never will produce an answer of security in your life. It only will produce more anxiety, more fear. Remember what Jesus said to the, in, in his parable, and he said like this, take no thought saying, take no thought saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? How are we going to get there? And he was telling his disciples and everyone else a parable of spiritual truth to natural truth. And he was sharing with them, listen, I want you to understand something. I don't want you to take anxiety. I don't want you to take fear. I don't want you to take cares of this world through desires or wants that your father already knows you need. He, he already, listen, and then he goes, look at the sparrows, look at the flowers. It, it's amazing what happens because he starts sharing natural principles and saying, they don't worry. Sparrows don't get up and go, how are we going to make it? Oh my God, we're all going to die. There's too many sparrows. Y'all know there's too many sparrows. Sparrows are everywhere. By the, you can't even count how many sparrows there are throughout the world. They're just all over the place, Right? Sparrows, sparrows everywhere. And especially when you plant grass. Thank God for sod. But the point is, is the sparrows are everywhere. And he says, they don't have a problem. They don't wake up in fear. They're not filled with anxiety about eating. I like um, one of the Psalms says this. And it's talking about the world. And when you look at the world, you can recognize that God, God is everything. Everything's okay. He built us to, to handle everything and anything. And it literally states that he crowns the year. In that, same, in that same Psalms, he crowns the year with his goodness. Isn't that interesting? Every year we go into, he crowns the year with his goodness. And everywhere we go into, we lose sight of it. We lose sight of looking out there and go. Oh, no, how am I going to pay this? And how am I going to do this? And how are we going to do this? And you're driving by this massive creation. Instead of looking at it and going, how? Him, that's how. Him. He, he, he meet my needs. He'd take care of me. He's going to give me the wisdom. He'll give me the information. 
I, I will be able to get what's necessary for me to be successful. Why? Because God's goodness, hear this, God's goodness leads people to repentance. No, not religious repentance that you are assuming, which you're assuming wrong, that he's talking about sin. That's not what he's talking about at all. Not at all. He is saying metanoel, compound word of change the process of how you're thinking. Change the direction of how you think about this into a different way of processing the information. Change the information. Change the direction of your life. The goodness of God produces the ability to change how you think. Isn't that awesome? But what do we do? We don't think about his goodness. We think about more of the issues, the problems at hand. And Jesus again said, hey, don't think about this saying. Isn't that interesting? Because y'all know you can have a negative thought, right? Everybody can have negative thought. But what happens is the negative thought it all goes to the teaching that, I've been t that I teach all the time. We teach all the time here about seeds and ground. And y'all know if I have a pack of seeds and they can be the most beautiful picture on that pack of beautiful watermelons and beautiful tomatoes and beautiful you know, peppers and whatever, and I can show you this and go, look at this. We're going to have a great dinner. And y'all are going to be looking at me like, I ain't no bird. You better have something in the refrigerator that looks like that picture. Isn't that true? But see, it would, be, it would be insane. It would be crazy if I just said, no, look, this is it. This is how we're going to do it. It's right here. Look. And you'd go, no, 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 no. You got to plant that stuff. And then stuff has to grow. And then when the harvest comes, then call us over for dinner. Right? Isn't that true? And that's the right way to think, isn't it? Exactly. But see, until the seed is planted, there can be no growth. And a lot of times you've got some negative thoughts. Some of you have really bad thoughts, and the only reason why is because you've already spoken. See, the seed has created, created the ability for those things to grow in a different direction. So it comes from a thought, now it's tied to emotion. And those emotions and those, the, the attitude created by thought and emotions now produces action, reaction. And that's why Jesus said, don't take the thought by speaking it out. Oh, it's going to come. Bad thoughts come. A temptation comes. They come. I mean, Jesus was tempted in all points. The thought came. The thought came. But he didn't allow the thought to go anywhere. And he stopped the thought. He stopped the temptation. I mean, one of the great, what, I mean, the enemy operated on a really high level of, of action against Jesus when Jesus went out in the wilderness. And remember the devil, his first temptation? He came out with full-blown scripture, except it wasn't completed. But the way he said it was this, it is written. Jump off, angels would take charge. I mean, just throwing out, the devil reading the Bible. That's crazy, right? Because you know he didn't have it. I mean, he's, it's not like he's walking around going, hey, can I borrow that scroll? No, he, he's he reading the Bible. He knew it. 
He knows what it says. And so all of a sudden, you need to hear that. He knows what it says because I think a lot of Christians, they, they think they'd be hearing Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God, but wait a minute, that ain't the full scripture. You'd be led astray. That ain't the Holy Spirit you're listening to. That's an evil spirit. Why? Because we don't want to really recognize the full scripture. We want to recognize the scripture that backs up what we want to do. We want to be selective in our scriptures. Woman, submit. We want that. That's the word of God, lady. Now go get my food done. But we, we don't want to hear love your wife as Christ loved the church and died for the church. We're like, well, that ain't no Bible. That, that ain't no scripture. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly how the devil works. He's going to be selective. He's going to chop it up a little bit and then bring it forth. And you're going, ooh, that sounds King James. And God's saying, listen, listen. The picture is real for us to grab hold of understand. We have the Bible in front of us. The instruction is real. Jesus is saying, guys, this is an important thing to see. We just did a, a, a massive work on the first feeding. Now we're on the second one. And I wanted to graduate you into another level of walk with me because you should know this by now. I love that about Jesus. He doesn't look at him and go, no, they're a bunch of knuckleheads. <laughs> they ain't gonna get nothing, I'm saying. He doesn't do that and he's not gonna do it with you. Even though he knows you, you got a little blockhead today. He doesn't care. He's at a point where I'm going to give you an opportunity. I want you to have an opportunity. Yeah, you've been dumb all week. But may, maybe right now by me doing this, you're going to come out of dumbness. That's what I love about the Lord. Not that he knows that Peter's going to open his big fat mouth and stick his foot in it. But what does he do? He still asks them questions. He still gave them opportunity. That is the God we serve. How awesome is he? I said, how awesome is he? He's a good God, a good God. And so we start looking at this and all of a sudden, wait a minute, Jesus is moved with compassion. I love this part about this second miracle because he literally says this. And Jesus looking out, to the thousands of people, says he was moved with compassion because he knew that it would be very difficult for them to all go and find food. And he said this, which was so special. And some came from far, far away. What? What? I thought, that statement in there blows me away. Thousands of people, thousands of messed up, screwed up people that aren't even getting 99.9% .9 of what he's even talking about are there mostly to get something from him. But they're so captivated by truth, so captivated by his heart, so captivated by his love. This is what they look at as some religious guy, but it doesn't define the religion they know of. And they're so like enthralled with this, this, this 
Jesus of Nazareth moved with compassion. And, and he says, he, he did not want them to walk distance to find food because many traveled far away. And I'm thinking, Jesus, you be reading, you know where we live. You are caring about these people. They don't even know the care because for him to make that statement, he's picking out all these people that traveled hundreds of miles. In the midst of all this mess, he's caring. Gosh, he's caring about them all. Are you guys hearing this? Are you hearing? Do you have ears to hear of what we're saying? What I'm talking about today. He's caring about this. Caring about. They came a long way. He didn't walk up and go, hey, where are you from? Okay, write that down. Okay, you got Arizona, Glendale, Phoenix, Scottsdale, uh, California. Oh, you don't count. Uh, you got... And all of a sudden, naming places that are far, far away, that took months to get there. And he's going, oh, man, you've been a long way, okay? okay how, how many of you from the East Coast? And the, okay, there, there, there. No. This is Jesus talking. And he sees everyone. All the tens of thousands out there, and he cares about you. You think, I'm just someone in the back. I'm just someone in the back. He knows your address. He knows where you live. And he cares about you. I don't know about you, that's awesome. That's another mark in my I Love Jesus book. It says, here's another reason why he's so awesome. Can we not? I mean, how can I, how can I not want to serve him? How can I not want to do what he wants me to do? How can I not? Because the more I read this in insignificant areas of scripture, most of us aren't paying attention to this. We're reading the Bible. But we should be. Because we're getting to the, these areas are amazing. Some live far, far away. He's moved with compassion for them. I think, oh, how awesome you are. And he feeds them all. Not, okay, listen, guys, y'all eating like love life. We ain't going to have enough food before it gets past the second row. So let's share. Everybody take half of something. Because, you know, I'll know when we do, you know, food and fellowships or anything like that, you see the, the front row people like have three plates. They're like going, yeah, that's how we do it, love life. More than enough, God's more than enough. And the ones in the back are going, God, I hope there's some left. Usually that's me you know, in the back going, geez. And the only reason why I do that, because some of you religious get mad. Pastors getting up front, who's he think he is? Cutter, he's a cutter. So I just, I, just, I just play back, okay, okay, you guys go ahead, eat everything. Don't care about me. I'm playing. Don't be freaking out now at Food and Fellowship and looking for me. Go, Pastor here, you want a plate? You want a plate? Pastor here, a plate? And now all of a sudden I'm sitting at a table with 30 plates. Don't do that. Don't concern yourself about me. I'm just playing. That's how you know how I play in church, right? But anyway, so we, this is a beautiful thing. So what I want to do is, is I, let, let, let's, I want to wrap this up into two key understandings. 
of how to not get to the place where we forget, all right? And it's very simple, and I, I want it to be simple, but the first key is, is we've got to remember to understand the war, okay? You've got to remember the battle that's out there. We will have battles. Both instances, the disciples, in both of the miracles, the disciples were moved by the bigness of the problem. Both of them moved by the, how can we? How can we do this? They were moved by the bigness of the problem and their questions, how can we do this? This is impossible. Who's asking the question? I mean, think about it. Jesus asked them the question, what do we got? He's moved with compassion. What do we got? What do we got? But how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this, guys? Y'all know he can do it. He can go. And we're all at Golden Corral. He could do that. He could do that simply. But what is he doing? I got my disciples here. I'm trying to get them to know my father. And how does my father operate? He cares. He cares for that person back there in the very end that he just barely got here. But he's hungry. He cares. He cares. How awesome is that? Isn't it? He cares. So they, they're led to asking the wrong questions in the time of pressure. Oh, it's just this marriage. It's just everything's getting bad. And what happens? Wrong questions start being asked. <laughs> Didn't I marry the wrong one? Did I marry the wrong one? Dude, you've been married 30 years. You can't ask that question. <laughs> that, you, that's, that's day one you do that. <laughs> Not 30 years. <laughs> and don't do it day one either. But then the point is, is you, can, you, don't, you, don't, you want to fix things. You want things better. You don't start asking those dumb questions on these kids. I don't, how am I going to do this? Why'd you have them then? <laughs> don't ask the dumb questions. Because, listen, again, I'm telling you what we're going to do. The pandemic, we all be asking dumb questions all the time in 2020. And some of us are still asking them. When's it going to end? When's it going to stop? When's it going to get? Listen to that video and start living life. I said, listen to that video again and start living life. It's on YouTube. Start living life. Stop following the flow of death, the flow of fear. Take no thought in those areas. I'm not saying we don't operate in wisdom and common sense, and there are things that we look at and go, ah, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking mental note of that. But when it comes to our trust and our faith and our belief, it's got to be in God and his word. It has to be. Because he's the only one that cares about you. Even your mama doesn't like you sometimes. <laughs> oh, she loves you, but there's sometimes she just doesn't like you. And that's the closest God's love there is. A mama, right? Is I telling the truth or not? All right. And dads, don't get me wrong. I know you love good, but you didn't carry that child. I mean, you can love. I'm serious. I got passion to love. I love my boys. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't even like saying I would die for them because forget dying. I'm going to live for them. I'll kill whoever else needs to be killed. I ain't dying. I know how people want to think, but I ain't, I ain't dying. That's I'm going to kill and let them die. You know, let them die for their cause. But my cause is here. They need me alive. But anyway, the point is, is, yeah, I got some mad love for them, but the mama, you know, carried that child in her body. 
that is going to give an extra love, an extra ability to see through the stupid, which guys have a difficult time looking through. I love you so much, but that was really stupid. Are you guys hearing me? So yeah, we love, but not like mama, right? But anyway, the point is, is the tendency is, is we ask crazy questions when we ought not to be speaking out those things. Because you're not really looking for an answer. You're just looking through a shoulder to whine on, a person to scream at, a, a complaint to God. How come? You said it was your breakthrough and it's pandemic, totally. I know that was going out of some people's mouths. God told me. But what do we do? You're either gonna believe his words that says you're more than a conqueror and everything last week said, no, you're not. What are we gonna do with that? We're gonna call God a liar? Through our actions, we do. I'm just being real, okay? Because ultimately, we gotta start looking at our lives and go, you know what? I gotta stop this. Yeah, his word and his truth is sometimes difficult, but it is truth. I'm sharing you how I've had to walk this journey out. It hasn't been simple. It hasn't been easy, but hey, growth isn't. I, I, I go to my house, and we have a growth wall. We measure our, our boys every year. And I, I've never gone there where it was there, and next year it was right here. Because that's not how growth works. Are you guys hearing me? That, that's a natural law principle of planet Earth, and it's the same spiritual truth. Growth is incremental. As hearing, trying to figure this out overnight. Just trust and believe. Hear His word, and and what you hear, and the understanding of it. Operate in that ability, not in Joe Christians that have been here for fifty years. Don't even don't care about. I don't care how he lives his life. This is about me. He's got a different understanding, a different walk, different everything. Don't judge yourself with someone else. Live your life the way God designed it to be lived, and that is he loves you personally, and he's got a destiny for you personally to impact this world personally for a God that is tremendously in love with you personally. That's what we got to look at it as. But yeah, we do together, and yeah, we're better together, and teamwork is mandatory, and everything about the kingdom is tied to bringing people into church, family, the fellowship together. All that stuff is so important. The accountability and everything about it. But the key is, is you got to look at yourself and say, yeah, he really does. He, he's madly in love with me. With great love in which he loved you, he died for you. While you were not someone to die for. You were a sinner. You were no good. Christ died for you. I don't know what should give you greater hope. That, that truth or the truth of, for God so loved the world. I mean, it's just so many truths where you look at and go, man, this is something. This is something. The second key. We must always remember his goodness. And we need to stop and think and ask the right question. Not just assume we're going to get it. 
Stop yourself because you're in the midst of ugly. You're in the midst of pressure. You're in the midst of I've never been here before or whatever. Stop yourself. Always remember about the goodness of God, but then think, what should I be asking? What should be the question I be asking? See, we're, we're, we're stressed out about the whys and the how comes and the, and the big thing. Instead of doing that, we got to stop yourself and go, okay, I would normally ask wrong questions. Why me? Oh, God. So I'm going to stop myself, not allow the issue to take control and ownership of me. I'm going to stay control of the issue. Oh, yeah, it's, a, it's an issue, and my mind's freaking out. Ah! But I still got control. I'm going to stop myself and make sure I start asking the right questions. See, when Jesus said, what do you got? What do you have? That should have been when the disciples, because, see, they've been, they've already been through this. They know this stuff. They've experienced it. That's when right then and there they should have said, what do we got? What do we got? In other words, they're, they're engaging in, I can do something. I can, I can start doing what? What? What do I have? Y'all know Jesus can do it, but Jesus never did it. He said, what do you have? Get that kid with his few fishes. Find the person with that piece of bread. Are you hearing me? Because we've been looking like, Jesus do it all, God do it all, Jesus do it. No, no, that's not how it works. He's saying, what are you going to do? When he talked to the people in scripture that said, great faith is this one. Great faith is this one. It was someone that operated with their belief in Jesus. Not Jesus going, here, have it. It was they were going, I can get it. I can have it. That's what he's looking for. He's not looking for people wake up in the morning and go, Jesus do everything. Jesus do everything. That's not even the Bible at all. It's, I'm going to do it for you. Now, you might be thinking, well, wait, wait, how's that work? If you start reading the Bible, you'll know exactly how it works. When they're delivered out of Egypt, what was, what, what was God's word to them? Go out and take all this country. Go out where all these enemies are and take it all. But don't worry about it. Stay here and I'm going to wipe them all out first. Then you can walk in. No. Not at all. Not even a tiny bit. It was, I've given it to you. Now go take it. You're going to have to do some battle. You're going to have to get into some struggles, some skirmishes. But guess what? It's already yours. That is the definition of God's promises. You wake up in the morning, you realize, wait a minute. I know my God's given me, and I know he's called this year with his goodness, and he's crowned it with his goodness, and it belongs to me. But now it's me time to fight. I start asking the right questions. What do I need to do? What, 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 God, give me wisdom to know what to do. And when I don't know how to do something, God just has told me. I mean, I walk around this church this morning. I, I was so excited about the message, but I'm so pumped about the information. I'm like going, oh, man, this is awesome. And I start walking by the dirt. And I'm going, I don't know how I was going to do that. And it's so much. And then all of a sudden, wisdom from God came in me. Because earlier I was going, thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for your guidance and everything you do with me. I just love how you help me out all the time. You never hold back on me. And then I'm walking out, and all of a sudden a thought came on my mind, and I went, oh my gosh, that's perfect, and it's cheap. Thank you, Jesus. Not that it's cheap, but it was something 
easier, easier to do than what I was planning on doing. And what I saw before is getting like tedious and difficult and so much work before what really need to happen. I'm going, oh man, that's the way I need to do it. But this morning, whoo, bam, there it is. It was awesome. But so we look at this, we start, okay, God is wanting us to ask right questions. Fear is a byproduct of asking wrong questions. Are you hearing me? You allow fear and anxiety in, it came because the wrong questions. See, the moment you heard the news, heard the ugly, that's not the issue. The issue is what you started saying after it. How am I? How is this going to happen? How could it? And that in itself produced the anxiety and fear. Remember, he said, take note of that saying. What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? How, how are we going to? Now, wait a minute. Why would you ask that question? Because you do have a lack, right? You don't want to ask the question because you got a, you got a closet full of clothes. You got your refrigerator and a freezer filled with meat and fruit and vegetables. You ain't asking the question, what am I going to eat? The only time you're asking what I'm going to eat is you're going to go, what kind of things am I going to eat today? But what he's saying is, is you have a legitimate question in your mind of, how are we going to eat, man? That's legitimate. But God says, I don't care if it's legitimate. I don't want you operating in fear. So, of course, I want you to know that I care about, this is what he's saying, about what you want to eat. But know that I take care of you. So all of a sudden you start saying, wait a minute, now I have to flip this and say the right things. I do have lack in my refrigerator. God, how are we going to feel this today? What, what's the opportunity I have to be able to get some more food in this place? But what goes beyond that, because now you're a big thinker. God, how am I going to not only feed me, but feed my neighbor that I know lost their job? How am I going to show how good you are, God? But I want to be able to take a ton of groceries over them and say, you know what? I just want you to know that I do care. And the reason why I care is because he cares. Because I really don't like you or your dog. <laughs> you don't have to throw it in there. It's just whatever. The point is, is we can look at life correctly. If we remind ourselves that the tendency is wrong questions asked and not to start asking right ones ourselves. So we start saying, you know what, God? I'm going to realize that when you speak to me, you're asking me to get involved in the miracle that you're about to do. How wonderful God we serve. He loves you so much that he wants you to grab his hand. Let's do this together. That's the story, people. That's the testimony. I talk about God's goodness, how awesome he is, the miracles, the wonders. It's because I grabbed his hand and said, let's do this, God. That's what he wants from you. We serve an awesome, loving God. Greater than you could ever know. Goes greater beyond what I could ever know. But what I do know Fully, wholeheartedly committed him forever. 
let's connect to this loving God that has compassion for you and for those out there. No matter where they live, he cares for them and he cares for you. Now we're gonna start seeing things a little different. And those big problems get what? They get fed. Father, we thank you for your word and the truth of the word. We thank you, God, because this truth that is so wonderful doesn't change. It's perfect. As a matter of fact, when the disciples were in the ship, Father, there was more than one bread in that ship because the bread of life was standing right before them. How awesome is that? Not only did they have the natural bread that could have been multiplied, but they had the spiritual bread standing before them. They had no, no question to natural or spiritual food. It was right in that ship with them. Father, help us see the truths of your word that bring revelation, that help us understand and know that this, you're, you're with us in this day. And you're committed and are for us. Thank you, Father, for the truth of the word and the revealing of your awesomeness. If you're here this morning or you're out there watching through live stream or YouTube and you've never, never received Jesus, I would like you to receive him right now. Because this is the truth. He is love and he loves you. And you're missing out on this great love, this word that I just talked about. You're missing out on, let's get, let's get this together and let's connect with him right now. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I call on your name. And I ask you right now, come into my life. I want this life to be part with you. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me and answering my call. Because I do believe that you have heard me. And I thank you, Jesus, for coming to my rescue. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, can you just lift your hand because I have something for you in your new walk? If you prayed that prayer for the first time out there in live stream, in the YouTube, lift your, your, lift your hand by touching that button and let us know that you've received Jesus as your Lord because we love you and we're for you. Amen. All right, y'all love you guys greatly. Have a great, wonderful day today and we'll see you again. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.